the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. In today's episode, we're sharing a presentation from MaxLockCon 2020. Our originally scheduled MaxLockCon speaker, Brian Mittman, presented live to the Maximum Lawyer Guild community. And today we share his talk, Know Your Numbers, Really Know Them. Let's get to it. All right. So today we have Brian Mittman and he's going to do his MaxLockCon 2020 presentation. So I'll let you just introduce yourself and let everybody know what you're going to be talking about. Okay. Hi, everybody. Brian Mittman, Mark Offen Mittman, the Disability Guys, and this is Coffee with the Disability Guys. Figured I'd use my fancy poster. Uh, I'm based out of New York. I'm actually based out of Westchester, New York. In fact, the uh, epicenter of this wonderful pandemic we're all living through right now. And I'm going to be talking about knowing your numbers and what that really means today. Perfect. All right. Feel free to take over. I figured I was just going to give my basic presentation that I was planning on anyway, and then we'll go from there. All right, so hello, uh, everybody. Uh, today we're gonna talk about, I'm gonna be fancy here, know your numbers. I didn't pick these numbers for any particular reason other than I just wanna play with animation on PowerPoint. It's kind of a lot of fun. Okay, so who am I? Uh, I'm an attorney by day, and yes, I took up ice hockey when I was 30 years old, and I am now at least 20 years older than that, and I am still playing ice hockey. Uh, the Disability Guys, we are a uh, New York-based workers' compensation social security disability firm. Uh, we like to look at ourselves in, as an 87-year-old startup, um, and we've been going at it for a while, so we have a lot of really cool history as well as uh, a really cool future. So that's who we are. Um, today, I wanted to talk about knowing your numbers. Uh, Jim had uh, done a great podcast uh, a few weeks back on on knowing your numbers. And I think anybody who is in the group and anybody who uh, has been in this world of marketing and different thinking and mindset with business uh, hears, oh, know your numbers, really know your numbers. And I've always kind of lived with that, but I never really knew what it, what it, what it meant. And, you know, again, 87-year-old business, my father-in-law had taught me lots of stuff about the business, and I'm always looking at top-line revenue and stuff like that, and you're like, oh, okay, that's what it means, but that's really not what it means. And as I dove deep into this, uh, we've really begun to learn it. So today I want to talk about 
what some of the things mean, some just very basic stuff, but also some real world examples of how we've actually implemented this stuff. Because if any of you out there have even begun to try, you know how friggin' hard this entire thing is. You can be like, yeah, I know my number. And then you know, literally like walk into a, a glass door uh, and don't do that. I actually did walk into a glass door in my office and I broke my nose in April of 2017. And after 47 years, my wife finally got me to get a nose job. Whole different story. Anyway, so here is where I, you know, kind of really got inspired by this number idea. I have a, I have a buddy of mine who once said to me, you know, Brian, imagine that you own a car wash. Okay, and if you could only know one number from your car wash, that would tell you everything you need to know, because maybe you're out on the golf course or the ice rink or on the beach, what would that one number be? So I want everybody to think about it for a second. Would it be the number of cars in the car wash? Would it be the temperature outside? Would it be the chance of rain? Would it be your daily receipts? Average price of a car wash at the location? What is it? These are all really good numbers. It would actually be the amount of water being used. And we're going to figure out what your water usage is. That's what the key is going to be for your success with numbers. It's what's the one number that if you knew that on any given day, whether you're working from home, whether you're on vacation, whether you're in the office, you wanted to say, my gosh, if I had one number I needed to know that could then tell me everything else, what would that number be? And it took us some time to figure out our number and we're continuing to, to tweak it. But could it be, you know, your revenue? That's not a bad number, but you've heard the old mantra, revenue is vanity, profit is sanity, and cash is king, right? That comes right out of the whole uh, scaling up world. And this uh, guy, Greg Crabtree, who does it with this really cool book called Simple Numbers, I have that listed at the end of this presentation. Could it be the number of new cases you have coming in? Could it be the number of calls? Could it be the number of settlements? Depending on what you do, could it be credit card swipes? Um, or is it something else? Every business, it's different. And just because it's right for one person doesn't mean it's, you know, right for another person or wrong for another person. I, I happen to be in a contingency business. Um, other people are in, in uh, you know, a pay for service business, whatever it might be. So it's figuring out that number or you know, numbers, but I'd like to keep it at one. And there are questions that you can ask yourself. And those questions are going to be things like, you know, what functions or what process, you know, what calendar events, what items, what thing, you know, if you measure it, gives you the best, right? It gives you kind of that instant and in instinctual understanding of how business is doing. So imagine this, you know that it takes, let's say, 100 gallons of water to wash one average size car. Well, from that number, you can figure out, my God, if we had 1,000 gallons of water being used, then that means we washed 10 cars, right? 10,000 gallons, we've washed 100 cars. You can then figure out, you know, what's the average size car that your car wash washes? What's the average price that somebody pays for that car wash? How many people does it take and how many, how long does one car wash take? And therefore, you know what your labor costs are and things like that. That's that number that leads to all these other things that then leads to the byproduct, which is called revenue, and then your profitability and stuff like that. You know, does this number easily allow you to tie it into all things in your office? Right? It's great to know that you had $10,000 in revenue this month, but what does that really mean? 
It's, it's what they call a lag as opposed to a lead indicator. You don't know about it till after the fact, right? Oh yeah, we got $10,000, but what were all the things that we did to get there? Uh, so you're trying to always figure out that really kind of that sweet spot. And then is that number you're thinking about high level enough, but not too aspirational to provide real world value, right? Oh, you know, if I'm making $500,000 a month, it's great. Yes, it is. But I don't know if any of us on this call are making 500000 a month. If we are, way to go. Let me know the secrets. Or what that even means, because if you're making 500000 a month, but your profit's 5000 a month, I'd rather make 10000 a month with a $5,000 profit. So it is a process of iteration. Um, I know that uh, I think um, uh, my director of success, Melitza, is uh, on the Facebook watching, and she knows, because during the past 11 years, my gosh, we have gone through a period of testing, failing, succeeding, testing, and on and on and on. And then we had an aha moment. So this is a printout that you see here, guys. This is a printout of just kind of a daily calendar that we have. Uh, so it shows me that I got a bunch of hearings in different locations, who's covering it, the types of hearings, there was a deposition that got canceled, stuff like that. So this became our aha moment because we realized that we generate fees when we have a hearing or we have a specific decision that gets issued by the Workers' Compensation Board of Social Security. And we know and we have figured out from that what we did. So this is what our calendar, that prior image, and I'm going to go back to it, right? This is what that one thing that calendar gave us. It told us stuff like the items on the calendar. It tells us about upcoming hearings, about depositions, about new client meetings, about um, what's called administrative decisions. Those are things where we actually didn't have to show up, but we had submitted a bunch of paperwork and the board sent it to us. We know, wow, how many of these things, which we call fee generating activities, that's our internal metric, we call it the FGA. That's our number. How many fee generating activities do we have? And we have figured out, for instance, in order to meet our specific money goal for the quarter, we need 1,500 fee-generating activities. And we know that each activity averages to be about 600 bucks, right? You know, whatever the number is. And based on that, we then worked our way back because then everything that the paralegals do, everything the attorneys do, go into getting one of those little things onto the calendar. And if we can do that, even if it says, wow, look, canceled, Right? I know, though, that on average, that was a $600 cancellation because my average fees will generate that. So we run our weekly fee reports and the calendar items. We figured out that, again, more calendar items, the better. We figured out the average fee per item. And again, this took a lot of time and effort, but it's well, well worth it. It's things you don't think about. Um, it's, it holds true. We need a certain amount of new cases to feed this whole machine. So then we can go back and say, wow, what's my right return on investment? What's my cost per lead? And all that stuff builds like a big pyramid into this ultimate number. Um, and then the floodgates open. Everything our paralegals do, everything our attorneys do is generated on these FGAs. Now, we don't tell our clients, oh, sorry, uh, we have to do a fee generating activity. You know, this is an internal metric. Um, we've, we have a much happier external metric, right? We, we measure client happiness and we talk to our clients about the unexpected legal experience, right? But 
this is this is our R metric. And I know, for instance, the more medical reports with scheduled loss of use evaluations that my paralegals get, the more chance I get of getting a settlement. The more legitimate requests that we make to the Workers' Comp Board or Social Security to have a hearing, the more likelihood we're going to get a fee. And the cool part about having 87 years of history is we look back. Now, I'm only looking back five, six years, but we have this group of uh, data that we have been able to really dig into and say, wow, look at this. You know, we know no matter how good or bad, you know, it's been this average amount of money over time. Our, our fee generating activity average fee has fluctuated probably about $150 up or down over the years. So as long as we can start honing in on that, um, this is the type of thing that's going to make us better. It's the type of thing that you got to make better. I don't care what you're doing. You can figure out those items. You hear people talk about, oh, figure it out and then stop doing the things you shouldn't be doing. This helps you maybe not stop doing those things, but to focus on the more important things of, oh, my God, I have so much stuff on my to-do list. Yes, but of the to-do list, what are the best things that you're doing? And then we just keep breaking this down. The more cases we sign, the more fees, and on and on. And, and it gets your head spinning. If it's you or somebody in your office, find somebody who loves numbers because you'll end up with something like this. Wow, right? What's that mean? The important thing here is that red line is what our one number means. So you see this little red line here, and you see the little red line here. So the blue are these fee-generating activities, our one number that we're measuring. And you can see we went up and we came down and we go up since 2017 and down and up. But overall, guess what? It is going up. We can see our trend. Now, I am not the numbers guy. My partner, Michael uh, Monheit, is the numbers guy. Um, and let me tell you, he figures stuff out like, oh, this is your average seven-day trend. Like when I've been watching all of this pandemic stuff, I, you know, I, I laugh because I'm like watching them talk about all these statistical things that if I actually knew it when I took statistics in college, I would have passed the course. And then what we've done, though, is we then tied two specific metrics, right? The earned fees and these types of settlements that we call 32s and SLUs, right? And we even made it so that they would all sit in the same spot. As you can see, as the number of Section 32s goes ups and downs, and then the fees go up and down, the th and there's this like, dip here, and then there's a spike here. What we noticed, though, was you basically have the same thing. These two lines are more or less trending in the same way, all from that one number. And we have 10 or 12 different items that go into that, that, that list. And these are just two of these items. And we've realized that these are the two most important items. So now we're spending more of our time on these, these, two, these two items. Um, and as you can see, back in you know, the second, third quarter last year, it was sucky. <laughs> we, we, and, and we saw it coming, and we knew it was coming, and we did a lot of stuff to dig out of it. And, and, and it's, it's been great. So again, Try to think about what your numbers are, and I am open. DM me, call me, you know, FaceTime, whatever, you know, uh, email me. I'm happy to like talk through with any of you guys about what it might be in your business because this has taken a lot of work, but it has been the best work, especially based on what's going on now. Hey guys, it's Becca here. 
I'm sure you've heard Jim and Tyson mention the Guild on the podcast and in the Facebook group. That's because we're seeing some really exciting things happening with Guild members and their businesses. The Guild is this perfect mix of a community, group coaching, and a mastermind. Inside, you'll gain support, tap into a network of connections, and continue learning, a common theme among successful entrepreneurs. There are so many benefits inside the Guild, including weekly live events and discounts to all Maximum Lawyer events. Head over to MaximumLawyer.com forward slash the Guild to check out all of the benefits and watch a few testimonials from current members. Investing in a community is like the self-care of business ownership. Being in a community with other people who get it is crucial when you're creating a rock-solid foundation to build your business on, one that's strong enough to withstand setbacks, transitions, and growth. So head to MaximumLawyer.com and click on the Guild page to join us. Now, let's get back to the episode. What's tied to this, though, and, and, I, and this is kind of, of, of the precaution, is can numbers motivate, right? Some people get really jazzed by numbers and other people don't. I have uh, two years as a mechanical engineer before I switched to political science and became a lawyer. Go figure. Uh, but, you know, I like numbers and puzzles and figure some things out. A lot of people like lawyers math and they avoid numbers completely um, nothing wrong with that but you want to make sure that the numbers mean something if you're a baseball fan and i am some baseball statistics are super important others don't mean anything unless you're a total you know a geek when it comes to uh, sabermetrics and everything but you have to ask yourself what do the numbers mean and how can we help our team understand the numbers not for the numbers sake for what the mission is. And I didn't put it in the slides, but if there's one thing you can do is you got to tie your values and your, your ultimate uh, purpose of being and what you're providing and your why, you have to tie that to the numbers. And what we've done, and I have some pictures later with our staff is although we've gotten them to dig into the numbers, we also tie it to client happiness and we try to get like the softer metrics tied to the actual hard metrics. So it's not just somebody, you know, I'm getting this number no matter what. Uh, I'm going to steal another story from uh, the Scaling Up World. Uh, Tracy Bove, I think it is. She's uh, with Salesforce. She goes around the world and talks and talks about all this stuff. And she told this great story about KPIs, key performance indicators and numbers. And she's on the phone, you know, on her cell phone. It's not working. She calls up and they say, hey. You know, they're talking, talking. At 29 minutes, the guy says, hey, can I call you right back? She's like, okay. He hangs up, calls her right back. 29 minutes goes by. They're still trying to fix it. Hey, can I call you right back? Sure. Calls you right back. Happens a third time. She gets the problem fixed. She's very happy. And then what she realized afterwards was he had a number. His number was his calls had to be less than 30 minutes. So at 29 minutes, he hung up and then called her back. He was really good. He got it done. But that's an internal metric, right? How I said the FGA for us is an internal metric. So it's great that he was following that, but it was not great for her experience. Because one, what if he didn't call her back? What if she didn't get reception? Why was this guy keep calling me back? Um, so you have to be careful. That's kind of my caveat about you know balancing numbers. But the positives, you can personally know where you are against your own goals the team goal, the office goal. It's really important. There's a sense of accomplishment as you move forward. Things are going bad. Remember that slide, right? You know, oh my God, we were, we were stinking it up here, <laughs> you know, last year, but boom, 
we took off afterwards um, and we were able to figure out what had caused that. And actually most of that was outside of our control, but we were set up that when, you know, the workers comp board finally woke up again, we took off. And then knowing your numbers lets you recalibrate if things aren't quite working. That's it. This is iteration. You're never going to stop asking about the numbers and what they mean. The negatives or the cautions, right? You focus solely on the number and you miss other values and less measurable but important items, the happiness factor. You could be measuring the wrong thing if you're not looking at it and misunderstanding what it means. Um, so again, it's always asking questions and we're lawyers. We're good at asking questions. So, you know, ask questions of yourself. Um, and I can tell you, and Malit's shaking her head right now, is when we have screwed up, it's because we generally take our eye off the ball and we weren't really asking the right questions or asking the questions. So, so numbers can motivate. And one of the ways we do it, and then this is how we get our teams involved here, is uh, we spent all of last year developing key performance indicators or KPIs. You can call them all different things. There's all different words and ways to do it. We happen to follow up. Uh, we happen to follow the scaling up methodology of Vern Harnish and um, the Rockefeller habits. There's lots of other things out there, traction and the EOS system and whatever it might be, that one just feels right for us. That's why we're doing it. But what we have done and what we did was we spent the entire year last year, each quarter, we were, um, we had a different theme and we were introduced key performance indicators to our staff. Then we introduced uh, that was sort of their individual numbers, and we started measuring them, and we had some incentives created around that. Then the second, uh, the second quarter, we said, hey, you know what? How does your number affect my number? So we started building in how it ties together. And then the third quarter, we tied it together with, hey, how does your number and my number you know, intersect with all of our numbers? What's next? And... That's how we got out of that little valley and really kicked butt because everyone was doing it. And in the fourth quarter, all of a sudden it was all coming together and people were like, wow, you know, you know, we're, 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 we're close to meeting our goals. Most people met their personal goals. We met the team goals. So that's the, this right here. I mean, it's not, I call it a pyramid, but it's a straight line, but right. You have your individual goals that go into monthly goals and quarterly goals and annual goals and the business goal, the big, hairy, audacious goal, right? Your BHAG, um, and, and things change. Our, our big, hairy, audacious goal is in the next 10 years is to help a million people have an unexpected legal experience in the world of disability and uh, injury. So, you know, there's lots of things that go on. And one of the important ways to do this is to provide visuals for people. So every week, every Thursday, this morning at 9.15, we did this. Uh, the entire office gets together and we're now doing it on on you know, teams, but we all get together and we go through the individual metrics, not the people, but the team metrics to see where we are in the particular quarter towards our goal. So this is an example. Um, whatever day this was, uh, at the time, we were at 46.6% of our revenue. Some people might not want to share actual dollar numbers with their staff, and I understand why, because sometimes people say, oh, you guys made a million dollars. Oh, my God, why am I only making 40000 um, You know, there's a lot behind it. So we have shifted really a lot to percentages because it shows a lot more. Um, I think we were about halfway through 
the the quarter when we were at 46 percent so you know when i presented that number i said hey guys you know we're we're five percent behind where we want to be you know keep working at keep doing it what goes into your number what goes into this number guys right the legal squad they know their fgas or fee generating activities for the month they were at 62 percent for the quarter they were at 54 percent our social security department was at 67 percent of its goals and there's and they they talk in more detail about it because they tell us what goes into that but it's this is high level stuff right wanted leads that's uh, something we use to figure out the of all the leads that were generating how many did we want well we're at 29 percent of the number of leads we wanted we know that this particular quarter, Q2 of 2020, is not a good quarter. Um, and this is actually where we're hurting in terms of bringing in new cases. And we were at 32% of the uh, signed up cases for the quarter. We were at 33% of the cases we wanted to refer out. Uh, the welcome team, which is our front desk, we use a metric for them. We, you know, these voice over IP systems have all this great reporting. We found this one number that is called abandoned calls. Don't worry about what it means, but we wanted under 10%. And we're at 7.3. When we started, we originally wanted it under 20%. And then we kept increasing the goal or decreasing the goal. Um, client referrals, that's a metric to see how many of our current clients are referring cases to us. We're at 33% of where we wanted to be. Uh, field marketing, we don't worry about that right now because I have one person who goes out and visits doctor's offices, which obviously has not been happening. <laughs> um, and then up until yesterday, all of our Google reviews were pending because we all know that Google was holding reviews, but they started to release them. So our numbers are picking up. And this is our online version. When people are in the office, by the way, this is what we have. It's a little bit more fun. It's a little more colorful. It's a gigantic felt board. <laughs> Right. And we all gather around and then we get people by video or by telephone. We share our numbers. It's the, sa it's the same circles. And we also talk about client happiness, how many positive case reviews and things like that, because we're always trying to tie it together. And then our, 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 our brand is having the unexpected legal experience. And we have at least one person share that every week. So even though we started out with numbers, we're trying to tie it to real people and to, you know, real things. So given all of that, right, that's a lot of stuff I've been throwing your way. Outcomes, does it really matter? Well, it does. Continued business success. Um, I told Jim uh, this uh, after his talk uh, last year at, at MaxCon. Um, I, had, I had that death knell where, you know, we, we were facing – you know, are we closing up shop type of uh, uh, situation? And we really dug into all this and we've not only, you know, bounced back, uh, we're, we're doing, you know, better than ever. Q1, pre-COVID, it was our best quarter in nine quarters. And Q2, we've mapped out things like we used our numbers and we mapped out a best case scenario, a medium case scenario and a worst case scenario. And I'm happy to say we're trending between our medium to best case scenario, a lot better than I actually expected given all the chaos going on, right? We took the pandemic gut punch, but we're back at it and we're seeing what's going on and we haven't, you know, we haven't changed our goal. Um, Cause other than the fact that everything just kind of stopped, everything else still exists, all the stuff that we've been doing. Uh, our long-term planning's on track. We're looking at things like the four-day work week, all because of our numbers. 
We're looking at how to better incentivize people because we know our numbers. And I got to tell you, two years ago when we had some serious fiscal issues and I got a call from the bank about not renewing the line of credit, I spent a couple hours walking around the local park going, you know, what the hell am I going to do? And I didn't really know. Soon as uh, the good governor of New York closed everything on uh, Friday, the 16th, what is it, the 23rd of March? It was Monday, the 23rd of March. It sucked. It was crazy. We were in, you know, all hands on deck mode like everybody else. But guess what? We knew our numbers. We could turn to things. We figured out what are we spending? Where can we cut uh, with, with common sense? You know, what vendors can we call to reduce things? When we put that money off until later, how will we pay it back? What are we going to do? When we applied for our PPP loan, it was fantastic, right? It was literally like, hey, uh, here's the numbers. Here's the loan. Thank you very much. That's what this means. And as a business owner, it's not good enough to just feel like you're doing well. Or, you know, one of our biggest profit centers is when I get a personal injury case that I can send out to another attorney, right? I cost of whatever it took to bring the case in and I refer it out. I don't do any work and you send me money in the mailbox. It's beautiful. So, but I don't want to count on that money. I don't want to say, oh my God, we really focus on how do we make our core business be the sustainable business so that we can do all the other things. Um, so that's the outcomes. Bonus slide. So this is another way and another thing uh, that we did it. This is, you know, really important stuff because this stuff is not easy. Um, you got to get out of your own way. You have heard that, but you really do. We now have bookkeeping and controlling services. We hired a virtual bookkeeper. Um, we had used a, we had had a bookkeeper and then they left and then we were using a bookkeeper in India and it was working out okay and we got used to doing things virtually and then, but we still didn't understand the numbers and my accountant's always trying to tell me things, but you see your accountant once in a while, not every day. And we ended up with a bookkeeper and controller, which I've never had a quote controller before. And it's amazing. The reports, the data, the information we get, you can make decisions, good and bad, but with numbers and evidence. And because we've been knowing our numbers, we're starting to do things like make predictions, right? Most attorneys suck. Most businesses suck at making predictions. Oh, well, you know, I got a lot of customers coming and that's great. But predictions, now we know. I can tell you that we know how many Section 32 hearings we had, so we know what revenue we generated. We know how many Section 32 hearings are coming up. We now measure going all the way back to how many have been submitted to the, the court, how many have been submitted to the carrier for signature, how many have been submitted to the claimant for signature, and we just track all those numbers and very, now very simply and at, at a glance. I can say, how are our Section 32s doing? I can look at a spreadsheet that we have and see, right? There's a visual component to it. Learn what a balance sheet really means. Uh, again, I've been at this for 26 years. And, you know, for 20 years of running the firm, I thought I knew what a balance sheet was. I thought I knew what a profit and loss was. All I looked at was, oh, do we have money in the bank? And did we make money? And how am I making payroll next week? Um, and then even more importantly, especially in this time, is really understanding cash flow, right? How much cash you're really making, right? Because I said that in the beginning, right? Revenue is vanity, profit sanity, cash flow is king because having the cash in the bank or knowing that the cash is coming in uh, really, really helps you. Uh, there's a story about um, Dell Computers. 
where they talk about the idea that um, when uh, I forget who the guy was, when he came into Dell in the 90s, uh, Dell was basically getting paid 65 days after they spent a dollar. So, you know, they built a machine and then it got their money 65 days later. By the time that guy left, they were getting paid 21 days ahead. Right. So now all of a sudden, you know, they knew where their cash was coming. They could do things. They didn't have to worry about borrowing or if they did borrow, they know how they're going to pay it back. Um, and you have to know your actual bank balances too, because you really do need to know if you can <laughs> uh, meet payroll. But these are, these are some additional things uh, to really, really know. Like this is the stuff as a owner, like if you're going to sweat and, and night, th this is the stuff to know and, and to really try. There's a lot of really good resources online just to understand what does a balance sheet really mean. For years, my eyes would glaze over when my account talked to me about it. I remember when I first started talking about cash flow and, and I'm constantly re-looking up definitions and asking again and kind of, cause you begin to get a feel and it, it gives you the health of your, your, your business. So that's important stuff. And some of the resources that you can use, there's a great book by Michael Mutachowski, whatever, Profit First. He also wrote The Great Pumpkin Plan, which I think is a phenomenal book. But Profit First is just, giving a little mindset shift in terms of how you think about profit, um, in terms of how you break it down. So you're not thinking, oh, profit comes last, whatever's left over. It's, it's being very um, uh, disciplined and very deliberate to say, hey, this is the profit I want, and then working backwards from it. Uh, as I said, Scale Up by uh, Vern Harnish, The Rockefeller Habits. Uh, if you read it, it is a dense technical book, but there's a lot of great stuff and resources out there. As I said, there's also other um, other resources out there that may work better uh, for you, traction or other things, all good stuff. Check out accountingdepartment.com. I do not get anything for, you know, plugging them and I'm not, but them and a lot of others, a lot of these entities have come into existence. These, This is the virtual bookkeeping account, bookkeeping, controlling and accounting services. And it has changed our management life within the office to truly be able to one get reports be held accountable for going over them and looking at them and to make really good decisions business intelligence i don't know what case management system you may be using but um a lot of them have business intelligence tied into it there are programs out there that basically allow you to like set it up and pull all these reports without you manually running all the reports all the time and they'll give you a dashboard so again you create a dashboard so you can quickly look at it and say okay there's the core number there's the other four numbers that's my dashboard i feel good or uh-oh you know it's time to change the tires because Something's wobbling over here. Yeah, how do we fix it and, 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 ch and change it? Harvard Business Review, I think, is phenomenal. It is totally worth getting the online subscription. They have an unbelievable amount of very digestible articles and helpful stuff, and they had uh, some great stuff about balance sheets. And as I also said, you can reach out to me. Uh, there's my information. And just know your numbers. It, it really has made such an unbelievable difference um, in our world. And, you know, going through a really crappy time like we're recently going through, you get through it a lot faster and feel better because, you know, 
the numbers don't lie. You might misinterpret them, but <laughs> the, num the numbers don't lie. So that was kind of my uh, take on knowing your numbers. And again, uh, given what um, uh, Jim Hacking had spoken about, I forget the fellows from Germany who interviewed him. It, that is well worth a listen as well, because he dove a little bit deeper into some other things about really figuring out how to understand what your average case value is, or why are you doing that if, if this is going on? And it's, it's the, you know, it's the oil that runs the machine. That's what I got. <laughs> awesome. So we had a question. How, um, how different is Rockefeller from traction? So I was reading traction and, you know, I'm one of these guys, I, I constantly read them. We try to implement, constantly read, implement. And I was in the middle of traction and I actually stopped reading. I said, wait a second, I got to pick one or I got to pick the other. A lot of the core concepts are similar. I think traction is actually a little more digestible for smaller businesses and smaller entrepreneurs. Um, it's just for some reason with scaling up, uh, it had struck me the right way. And then my entire, there's six of us, our entire leadership team, we actually took an online course with it. So that's one of the reasons that we stuck with it. Even if you, you know, quote, pick traction, stick with, you know, you can still read scaling up and get a, and get a, get a lot out of it. Um, I know that both behind the scenes, both businesses have systems and coaches and tools to use. And there is a lot of crossover, you know, different words that they use. Um, for, for me, I think it's just a question of what kind of strikes you when you're looking at one of these processes and then really, you know, taking that deep dive and saying, hey, I'm going to at least try this. And what we did was about two years ago, we said, what, you know, what are we doing here? And let's get into this. And, and we got a lot of stuff done and we've recently hired a scaling up coach. And, you know, he's really happy that, you know, we have all this stuff. But when we went through this checklist, when we looked at it, we're like, oh, crap. You know, we thought we had done so much more <laughs> or we thought we had done better, but we realized that we were on the right path. So that's kind of my best advice is whatever you seem to like the most. I don't think one is going to be better than the other. Clearly, you know, going out there and picking one of these big industrial processes, Sigma six and lean two and all this other stuff out there. I don't think that's necessary for the entrepreneur, but either of these really, really helps scale, helps you grow. Awesome. That's great. I don't see any more questions. Right. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. And everyone just stay safe, stay healthy. And uh, any questions, give me a shout out. Yeah, you too. All right. Take care. Yep. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your host and to access more content, more content. go to MaximumLawyer.com. Maximum Have a great week and catch you next time.